This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. When you want to reach out to the program, awesome ways to do it, folks. Well, you simply first, you can follow along with what's happening from segment to segment on the live show. Just simply do it off of Twitter. At AMI-audio is the handle. At AMI-audio on Twitter. You can follow along or interact with AMI-audio. If you want to send an email, maybe you've got questions about AMI-TV or AMI-Tele or AMI-audio, feedback at AMI.ca. The gang over there would love to answer any questions or concerns that you might have. Feedback at AMI.ca. And if you want to call in, maybe leave us a message that we can play on the air with your permission and mention it's for Kelly and Company, one 866 509 Well, we always have these certain days where we get to do different things and sometimes we're talking to community reporters on Mondays and Tuesdays on the program and seeing what's going on in their regions. Wednesdays and Fridays, we get a chance to find out about some other things, different happenings going on as we do a regional content report. Today for that report, joining Rummy and I, Jim Crisco, AMI Content Development Specialist in Edmonton, is with us. James, how are you? I'm I'm very well, thank you. And and I have to let you know, I'm actually in transit from Calgary to Edmonton. Uh, so this is coming to you from a car if it sounds a little odd. Uh, but the other thing is, too, I have pulled over on a nice, safe country road here thank to you. be able to do this so I'm not driving. So we can't make them do foolish things like rev the engine to prove it. You can hear the car sound as we analyze it. You know, the our, our special hearing, the super hearing. Oh, yeah. And he's, you know what, Rum? I, I can guarantee, I can tell by the sound, he's in the driver's seat. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I think I heard the signal maybe on and off. He's got controlled, that's for sure. Uh, <laughs> oh, you, you did hear that, actually, Rome. It's the four-way flashers. Acute ears. Just so no one else pulls off and tries to take his spot. See? Um, let's I start. A, I have What's a beautiful that? view, by the way. Oh. I have a beautiful view. Oh. I'm, I'm on the prairies, and I'm seeing uh, wheat fields that have now, now already been harvested for the most part, and hay fields as far as the eye can see, so it's beautiful out here. Oh, so you can see all the way into downtown Edmonton. <laughs> as flat as the prairie is, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Speaking of different locations around the West out there, Jim, let's talk and start in Manitoba, where the UMM has uh, announced their latest writer in residence. Who's the new writer? The uh, the new writer is um, his name is Jacob Scher, and he is uh, he's the newest writer in residence for the Center for Creative writing, and oral culture at the University of Manitoba. And uh, his position will be to work with students, faculty, staff, alumni, and members of the public from September to December of this year um, on uh, writing, or using or having writing workshops, virtual writing workshops, etc. And what's really uh, interesting, he's a very talented writer. He's, um, he has, he's a uh, poet, essayist, and journalist, and he's the author, author of three full-length poetry collections, uh, including the Governor General's award-winning More to Keep Us Warm from 2007. And he writes uh, about radical subjectivity on chronic mental 
a, a chronic mental and physical illness. So he, he is uh, from the disability community and he, he writes very, very profound, um, you know, provocative uh, poems and, and, and uh, essays about uh, the disability community from the disability community. So uh, he's, it's a, he's a very interesting writer. And, uh, you know, the way I, I look at it, too, he's, he's running these workshops, and I'll tell you a couple of them and, and let you know where you can maybe find out more. But um, if you're a writer yourself, uh, you know, if you're in our audience and, and you're a writer and you want to be able to, uh, to sort of get a little bit of, of guidance, a little bit of uh, consultation, uh, you know, it's always great to, to sort of network with other writers as well. This might be the perfect opportunity for you. Because um, he's going to be running these for the next couple of months. You know, it's really fascinating, too, because you think of, obviously, you understand his lived experience, the, the experience that he brings as a, as a writer uh, from other people and tells their stories. But you also stop, Jim, and say, interesting timing, because we... we you know, we know there's a little more awareness, especially with the internet and and of, of disability and and telling our stories as well as many other cultures that, that out there where maybe that wasn't happening as much 15 years ago, 20 years ago. So we're thumbs up there, but there's interesting effects too from the pandemic that are allowing stories to be told by people who have lived experience, but also ex- lived experience that can lend itself to how people felt and what they went through through the pandemic. And this timing of selections like this, and, you know, you want to, and when I say this, please, I'm not trying to take away, oh, well, that's the reason that they made this choice. But I do believe there's a reason and a certain focus that whenever they make the choice every for every September, there's a reason to, for diversity, for different situations of time and what they're hoping to accomplish and, and expose people to uh, when they, when they, uh, bring on uh, these writers in residence, and and I think it's important. But I also think this person too has a, a lived experience that can lend itself to that mental support that so many people are looking for now. Absolutely, a hundred percent, Kelly. And the other thing too, when you look at it and further to what you're saying, is people, you know, what seriously become writers at different stages of, the, of their life, mm-hmm. at different ages. Oh, there might, yes. might be people who've never considered it before. And now they have a reason to write, and this is an opportunity to try. Yeah. Yeah, I've met people in different writers' groups, and you stop, and, and someone says, well, I've been working in a factory all my life with lots of things in my head. Now I have the time as I've retired to write them down and tell these stories. Really cool, Jim. Absolutely. And I'll just get one of the uh, workshops in here if people are interested. Uh, there's a, uh, It's called Crip Poetics, and uh, it's a workshop on... Uh, um, uh, on writing and on on poetry, etc. Uh, from Thursdays from October sixth to November seventeenth, they're only they only have twelve spots, so check it out in a hurry. Uh, it's the email is ccwoc at umanitoba.ca uh, to register or to just to get more information. So, um, uh, you know, there's there's that and there's some individual consultations too, but I'm sure you can get them uh, get same information from the same email if you need it. Amazing. Thank you, Jim. Uh, we're sticking to Manitoba. There's a new filmmaker that's starting to make waves in the film community. Can you tell us about him? Sure. This is, and you know, this very much kind of rides off our last story as well. Uh, the gentleman's name mm-hmm. is Miles Taylor, uh, and he's a filmmaker. He's uh, he's um, graduated film school, I believe, a couple of years ago. He's an actor. He's a writer, uh, and he he he's uh, a wheelchair user. He has cerebral palsy. 
and you know he he was looking at at um, a lot of of entertainment and a lot of uh, you know stories that you see on television and scripted uh, stories and realizing that he, he he really didn't believe that the disability community was being portrayed accurately or um, you know that 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 usually there are parts written for them, but not necessarily by people from the disability community. And they're, they're just not accurately portrayed. So he decided he wanted to, to write a script that, that has an accurate portrayal. Um, the, the, the show is, or the script is called life in the wheel world. And, uh, they're mm-hmm. shooting a pilot right now. And it, it's about, uh, fraternal twins who struggle with disability, fame, and the weight of their father's legacy. So there's multi layers to this story. Uh, and he just wants to accurately portray um, disability and, and, you know, come from a genuine space in creating that. And, uh, and he's a filmmaker, so he's, he's doing that. There is, uh, there is an Indiegogo uh, set up for it to uh, help contribute to, to defray some of the costs. But uh, really, really a, a talented guy. I've been communicating with him in, in email, and, uh, and certainly he's somebody I'm going to be meeting with uh, in the future and uh, a super, super nice guy, very talented, and I can't wait to see what he comes out with. Sometimes that's all it really is about, right? We don't have to have millions of conversations to really understand the intention behind a project like this, and it's just like what you're saying that he said. It's the accurate portrayal of someone with a disability. Uh, there is... the. Obviously, the conversations are getting bigger and bigger. You know, Jim, um, I'm just watching Breaking Bad. I know I'm super late to the game. But uh, thinking about uh, Walter Jr., the character who plays him, and just having that question in the back of my mind always, you know, even before looking into the person who plays the character or anything, but just thinking about it going, does that person have a real disability? Is this an accurate representation? Was there something that they had to personify in order to get the content to the the, the script writing, the whatever, the way it is to portray that person with a disability? Or, or can we easily sometime soon say when we see someone with a disability on TV, in film, that yes, this is of course going to be accurate. Why would we question that? Um, and these projects, this intention of this filmmaker is exactly the kind of stuff we need to have to move forward with that. Absolutely, 100% agree. Awesome. Jim, and finally over to Calgary where a young girl hasn't been able to attend school due to the lack of specialized support. Can you fill us in? Yes, and, and I hate to hate to, uh, hate to end on kind of a downer of a, a, a of a story, but uh, this uh, this young girl with Down syndrome has been waiting to go to, to school. She's go, would be attending grade one. Uh, they're three weeks into it now. This is about the story I have is about a week old, and I haven't seen any updates on it. So this might have been resolved in this time, but three weeks in, and uh, she hasn't attended a day of class yet because the supports aren't aren't in place for her to be there. Her mom's worried that um, there was a, a previous child with Down syndrome that um, was uh, would wander off once in a while. The school didn't have the proper procedures in place. She believed to keep her safe and was worried about her daughter. And the, the sad part about this is, is it, it becomes almost a story of bureaucracy because the, uh, the the parent goes to the school and tries to you know find out why the sports aren't there. The school sort of refers her to the school board. The school board says. Um, you know, we have a limited supply for resources. The, the 
province says, well, the school board's in charge of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the end of the day, nothing's happening, right? right. Uh, and and there, there was a point where the, the parent um, came up with a, 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 an idea that they would pay out of their pocket for an assistant to be in class with her. Wow. And the school was kind of on board with it. But the school board came along and said, no, we can't do that because they're not a school board um, employee or whatever the, the reason was. But the rationale was they couldn't have somebody from outside the school in the class with her. So, uh, you know, the, it's you, you would hope this wouldn't be happening anymore. There is That's right. money in the system for every student and um, and the, 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 the proper age should be there. But here we are, right? We're still having these conversations. Yeah, they're passing the buck, the no no responsibility, the let's worry about why you can't do something to help somebody and let them struggle and let people stress out and, you know. Jim, we're out of time. Pal, thanks a lot. Uh, interesting stories for sure today. We get a chance to visit with our content development specialists on Wednesdays and Fridays on the show. In the next hour of the program, President and CEO of Fighting Blindness Canada, Doug Earl, shares important acts, uh, information on access to Lexterna, gene therapy and uh, that's here in Canada of course and we'll flip through some quirky stories from around the globe on what in the world but up next it's the Wednesday edition of The Buzz with Bill Shackleton Hi, I'm Red Sale inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.